Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. He is Steve. And DC Fandom 2021 has laid down the gauntlet in episode 246 today, October. What is? I'm, I'm, I'm sure October 21st. That's tw- right. 20. 21. We're going to be dispensing with the typical pleasantries at the beginning and instead skipping right into our topic of the day, which is the DC Fandom 2021 reactions. So what we have done is curated a list of the various announcements and or trailers that were dropped that we found to be impressive, awesome, or otherwise uh, nipple rub worthy. So having said that, if you haven't seen the DC fandom presentation, it's probably a good idea to go check it out for yourself because there were a lot that they showed. And if you want to get the full experience, you go right ahead and do that. So speaking of the curated list, well, before I get into that, I almost forgot to tell all of you to be sure to shine the bat symbol on that subscribe button. Maybe show that notification bell some justice. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week. Every week. (laughs) (laughs) You liked that one, didn't you? I I did. (laughs) Clever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, moving right along into the curated list. Um, So I put this together in kind of a... Alphabetical order? No, not alphabetical order, but like chronological. I wanted to, it was, it was going to kind of sort of like, not like be in priority, but that's not entirely true. There are certain things, especially toward the beginning, which I am very, very excited to talk about. Indeed. The first item on, uh, the list that I have put together, Steve, Mm. is the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video mm. game trailer by Rocksteady Studios. Pure 60 frames a second. On that one, oh, man, it's pure 60, 60 frames of pure unadulterated next-gen goodness right there, Steve. Yeah, controversial goodness, Russ. Not because it doesn't look good, mm. but, I mean, mm-hmm. you're, they're mm-hmm. basically bad guys trying to be good guys, but hurting the good guys, which, of course, makes them bad guys again. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is quite provocative, yes. one might say. Interesting story, maybe, because we don't want the good guys to die, Russ. Mm-hmm. We don't want the bad guys to die either. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. So we shall see what happens with uh, that one. Yes. But, um, toss-up. <laughs> Yeah, what I thought would be a lot of fun to do, especially when it comes to these trailers, is let's watch it together, and then after we watch it, then uh, we will give our uh, proper feedback, as it were. So mm. allow me just a moment <laughs> well, to uh, fade on over to the goodness that is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. All of you are the worst of the worst of the worst. Still, you're good at what you do. Even if what you do is far from good. Welcome to Task Force X. Let me take a look at you. A 
muscle head. My nut job. Something that offends my eyes. And a homeless person. You're perfect. Just checking. We're all seeing that thing, right? This has one-way ticket written all over it. Oh, it's what? What the hell have you sent us into? It's a bloody war zone out here. Eyes up, people. Congratulations, Task Force You're the first assets to make it into Metropolis alive. I was just about to do that. Task Force X, your new mission is to kill the Justice League. Justice League is the worst idea you've ever heard? I kind of zoned out. What did you think would happen? You'd crawl out of your cells, swoop in, save the day? Which superheroes did you say you were? Again! Remember, your heads are ticking. is in flight. Repeat, the penguin is in flight. Then let's clip his wings. Oh my god! He's getting up! Hitting him again. He's ran out the door! Somebody stop him! <laughs> did that get him? <laughs> oh, uh, no! Uh, it, it very much did not get him. Uh, Waller! Waller! Blow up his head! So there is a lot that I want to talk about with regards to this particular trailer. Um, it's, it comes as no surprise as to how um, I've been waiting a very long time for um, this game to be revealed. And we got like kind of a, a little glimpse of it in a previous trailer, but yeah. not to this extent. And it's such an ambitious title that Rocksteady Studios is doing. It's crazy because when I think of the Batman trilogy that they put together, each one of those titles was also ambitious in its own way as the studio grew and became more experienced in this type of genre that they were really at the helm at. And so looking at what they've done in this trailer, I think one of the things that for me, I get really excited about is that this looks like a next generation game. It does. So, like, you know, looking at everything they've done, I mean, like, the, the game itself is, 60, like we said, 60 frames per second. It's probably going to be even more so, like, if you, if you play this game on PC, it's probably going to have, you know, 120 frames per second. It's going to be something crazy. But I found it really neat to see that level of graphics fidelity within... Um, this type of like gameplay graphics. Like it wasn't pre-rendered cinematics. Like, like you saw some truly impressive graphics fidelity in that trailer and it was running at 60 frames per second. 
Well, the character models look phenomenal. Too. Yes. I mean, all the, you're like, wow, that's those that the facial structure uh, and and you know, whatnot, <laughs> the facial structure and their face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I mean, all, all like the mouth movements, like when they were speaking and everything, were very synced. Um, and I. I, I I mean, there's 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 graphics, but there's also like all the modeling and whatnot, but that which really stood out to me. Yeah, well, and I think too. So we were talking before the show about how this game's premise. Again, we don't know all the details of the story, but when we look at this trailer, it's a provocative storyline that flips this whole thing. Of course, Suicide Squad has always been around, but when you look at who it is you're going up against. Was that Green Lantern we saw oh, in there? The Flash, well, Superman. As as the name suggests, kill the Justice League. So you were literally going up against the entire Justice League. Um, at least the main, you know, the main characters, like you know, you have Superman. There was Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. We saw Batman's Batmobile. We didn't see actually see Batman in there yet, but I thought it was cool how they included that as kind of a <laughs> wink because of the fact that they were responsible for for some of the greatest Batman games ever. And I don't. I didn't see any cyborg or Aquaman right. in the trailer. They may be trying to save something. They're, they're doling it out, which sure. they should do. Yeah. So I, I was very much happy to see that because if you, if you remember in the previous trailer, they end with showing Superman under the control. Right. Um. I, I want to say Doctor Nefarious, and that's totally, Brainiac or something. Yeah, Brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nefarious, Doctor Evil. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. And that by itself was like, whoa, like I got kind of terrified of that because Superman is the most powerful DC superhero in the DC universe. And to see that where like you are these other characters that are, you know, with with the the exception of uh, Manshark, like you're, you're like you're having all these normal people who are going up against it. I am wondering how on earth are you going to be able to survive that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think also too, they probably didn't want to show you too much because you know you're gonna have the Batman trailer later on. You're gonna have the Aquaman two trailer that's you know gonna be coming out. Uh, you know, a couple others aside, they probably didn't want to overload fans too much. Like all of a sudden, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I could understand that. Yeah, and and then you go from that to then this trailer where like you get little brief glimpses of the, the others, well, like some of the members of the other Justice League. And that is insane too, because then you realize, whoa, okay, it's not as if Superman wasn't terrifying enough. Now you're going up against like just the main staple of DC superheroes. These are not even like B level or C level superheroes. These are the top tier A level superheroes. And I think it's it's an original approach to how you would um, play a game like this because we are so conditioned as gamers to like just think, oh, well, if I'm playing like a DC game, clearly I'm going to be playing as Superman or I'm going to be playing as Batman, right. one of the heroes. In fact, they also showed Flash in the trailer as well. Right. So to, to turn that whole thing on its ear and be like, nope, you are actually going to be playing as a member of the Suicide Squad. And oh, by the way, you're not just taking on like these... Uh, henchman of Brainiac, which again is brilliant because I think far too often, whether it's in some movies or even in games, they rely too much on like those kind of like hapless henchmen that you're just kind of like, yeah, they're there and whatever this though. You're just like, Whoa, what's going to happen? When's it going to happen? And everything else. So I'm just thinking if I have to fight the flash, 
That's going to be a pain in the butt battle. That's just going to be annoying. Well, and, and if you think about it too, like, like, okay, so the flash, because he's so fast and he can alter time and that sort of thing. Like you're going to be like, okay, what on earth is in store for us there? Green Lantern can literally conjure up anything he thinks of into something tangible, like a tangible reality using his ring. So again, that's going to be a huge challenge unto itself. Yeah. Batman is no one to be trifled with. You know, he's the one that even Superman is kind of wary of. And we, we all know how, uh, well, let me look at my shirt. I mean, I'm a fan of the bat. I'm saying the bat. But um, yeah, you look at Superman and then Wonder Woman is another one. Yeah, I could take Wonder Woman. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> she, she would hold you down with her pinky. She'd be like, I'm sorry. Like, ah, are you trying ah, to move? Ah. <laughs> Anyway, we could talk about that for a very sure. long time. I'm pleased as punch as to what I'm seeing. What about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking Are you excited? To that one. Yeah, I'm actually kind of looking a little bit more forward to that one than uh, the Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, to be quite honest. Yeah, not to say anything bad about Gotham Knights, but that one looks more interesting to me. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. So. So the next one that we have on the list is actually the latest movie trailer for The Batman movie. <gasps> so without further ado, let's take a look at that bad boy.
the showstopper right there. Exactly. Why don't, why don't you kick us <laughs> off there, Steve? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so um, I read somewhere that uh, you know the, the, the main question was, can Batman be darker? Like, can it, like, the whole show be dark? Right. I'm like, yes, it can. <laughs> yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I mm, the one <laughs> caution I have is, like, I don't want it, you know, this is, like, the, you know, the revamping of the story. Yeah. But I don't want them to give us all these characters at once mm-hmm. um, because of the... I wouldn't know who they are. You wouldn't know who they are, but somebody brand new to, to the comic book or to the story who wants to get into it, they're probably going to be a little bit lost. Yeah. I hope that's not the case, but my goodness, I mean, whoever is behind making these trailers, just, <laughs> I, mean, I, just I saw that uh, come up on my YouTube feed and my wife was going to bed because she goes to bed. Literally. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't go to bed yet. <laughs> no, no. And she like has her night mask on. Everything. She's ready. To, like, no, 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 no. You go. I can't. I can't, you cannot go to sleep just yet. No, just, you know. Yeah. You got to watch the trailer. <laughs> I don't think she was really that interested in it. But and then we had to watch it on the big screen. I'm like, ah, I was going nuts. Like that's, hmm. <laughs> that 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 that's that's the the highlight of the show for me right there. I I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's right up there with me as well. I'm not sure if it was like the the pure takeaway, like like the actual my like my favorite or not, because there there were a number of of different announcements that I was like, oh yes, give me more of that, you know. But yeah, this film is feeling way darker. It's interesting how. With every iteration of Batman, there there is this noticeable effort to go darker. And it's interesting when I think about, like, you know, Tim Burton's Batman for its time, like when that film came out in 1989, that was a comic opera of a film, and there was a lot of, of darkness to it, which to be, you know, appropriately, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, to be appropriately appropriate. The <laughs> to the, be appropriately inappropriate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to ba- basically give credit where credit is due. That's what I was searching for. Yeah, the brain decided to cooperate finally. <laughs> I think it's a huge testament to the acting of Jack Nicholson, um, as well as the storytelling efforts of Tim Burton, and really like even the mystique that um, Michael Keaton brought to Batman. So you go from that to then going into um, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, which introduced this concept of making it more realistic, accessible, grounded in reality. You would, you didn't have to explain it away as a comic book film. And what was interesting about that was that a lot of what we saw coming through with that brought its own sense of darkness. And if you recall, even to a a tragic um, standpoint, uh, there was that tragedy in that movie theater where someone who clearly was affected or influenced by the Christopher Nolan Batmans ended up shooting up a theater. And that brought up a lot of questions about, okay, what are the psychological ramifications of putting a film together that is so convincingly real? And basically, again, it's a compliment to the cast and crew because I mean, once again, it, it's it's such a well done film. But what is the fallout for 
our youth who could be affected, who could be influenced by what they see. And right. then you have a bunch of uh, copycats making very bad decisions affecting a lot of people's lives. So you go from that to then the Matt Reeves, the Batman. And this one, I can't put my finger on it, but like there is um, an approach that he's taking where he's embracing still kind of that um, accessible reality type of approach, but he's really going for more of that detective side of, of that psychological warfare. You know, I think it's really cool that we have the Riddler as one of the enemies in the movie. We also have the penguin. I don't know if there are any other villains. I didn't notice any in the trailer. Uh, we do have Catwoman, who's not really a villain. She's more of like a anti-hero neutral type of character. But you look like you have like the Joker henchmen though too, like the Joker thugs. I know what you're talking about. And I think it's interesting because we we haven't seen any kind of Joker character. And I, I really don't think we're going to see... <laughs> Walking Phoenix. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> if they were to pull that off, that'd be crazy. Oh, but, man. But again, like even with the, with the Joaquin Phoenix performance of Joker that was kind of a world unto itself. And I think that DC is flirting with this idea of having a multiverse, just like Marvel is. I honestly, I really do believe that both yeah. companies are barreling down the same goal of wanting to reveal some kind of multiverse that exists where you can have multiple Batmans, multiple Supermans, so on and so forth. The same thing with Marvel, where you can have multiple Captain Americas, multiple Spider-Mans, you know, that sort of thing. And so that, I think that's, that's the big uh, golden nugget that they're, they're after. And I do believe that as we, we see this film, that's actually kind of the, the vibe I get from this particular trailer is when I watch it, it's, it definitely feels as if it could be a parallel world of Batman. And that's cool. Like, I mean, I, I think the, the concept of a multiverse is a very cool one because from a creative standpoint, it opens up all these different doors and possibilities and stuff that like, just from a logical uh, perspective, it, it makes sense. I can get behind that. And in terms of the, of the, what we've seen in the movie, I think the performances of all of the actors that we saw was really, really on, good. Yeah. Really on, on the mark. Yeah. Well, not to mention uh, going past the actors, but every like cinematic framing of, of the photography. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like every shot they should. I mean that, that was probably like every really like best shot in the movie is what they showed <laughs> in the trailer. That, that's what it had to be. Sure. That's what it had to be. But um Man, the whole thing just looked amazing. Yeah, no, it really did. Every single shot looked beautiful. I'm actually thinking about grabbing the trailer and just rendering out some still frames and studying the the color theory, like just basically off the the color balancing that they did, and perhaps just creating some color palettes from it. Because to your point, I mean, they, every shot you're like, wow, he's really bringing back that film noir right. into it, which is interesting because Christopher Nolan didn't really lean into that as no, much. Right. And I think with, with Matt Reeves, he's ha he has this perfect balance of having both that film noir kind of look with like the heavy shadows and stuff, but also that accessibility that Christopher Nolan really perfected. And not only that, but then the way that he's telling the story, at least again, this is something that like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about. I don't want to like lose all my marbles over this until I actually see it in the theater. But in terms of what the marketing team has done with these trailers is once again, we are 
being told that this is going to be a very cerebral Batman, which is awesome because I do think that the, the kind of more detective side has not really been exploited in the films as much. Like we saw a little bit in Tim Burton, Christopher Nolan, we saw a little bit of it as well. You know, he was deducing certain things, but we didn't see like that. Like, I mean, I think that's where the Riddler comes in, right? Is, is like, the, it's that battle of wits. It's that battle of intelligence. And so uh, I look forward to that. And they make the Riddler look pretty deadly in this. He's not Jim Carrey in a leotard <laughs> running around cackling and stuff, you know? Right. Not be able to punch anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two-Face, show me how to punch a guy. <laughs> uh, has anybody else told you you have a serious impulse control problem? None of that. No, no, no. What do you think of of some of the other actors in there? I mean, we have Zoe uh, Kravitz, who's going to be playing Catwoman. Well, I think you have, if I I read IMDb right, (laughs) I I think Colin Farrell is in it as Oswald Cobblepot. He is Oswald Cobblepot. He is Penguin. But did we see him in there? Yes. I mean, that's what I thought, but I didn't look like Colin Farrell like whatsoever. So that's one of the big things about just some of the pictures that that have been released over the the past couple of years is they've shown him in his full makeup. He doesn't look like Colin Farrell at all. Like he looks like a completely different person. He sounds like a different person. I feel like this could be his defining moment in terms of, of being more of that chameleon actor because we've seen like he's he acts a lot the same in a lot of movies. Well, like I was gonna say, like like there's that one movie that we watched recently, the Guy Ritchie film. Um, what was it called? It was like no, I know what you're talking about the gentleman or I think something it like might that. Might have been the gentleman, yeah. But he plays that that character where where he runs some kind of like gym or boxing ring for right. the youth. And I really liked him in that in that role. I felt like that character worked really well for what it was. And um, and so for this one though, he's totally unrecognizable. Even the sound of his voice sounds different. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. Me too. Yeah, I because I, I saw that and I thought, man, I, I there's got to be a mistake. Like maybe there's like an, another Oswald Cobblepot or something. And yeah, maybe, maybe they can't be him. And I watch the trailer again. I'm like, I don't, I still don't see it. Maybe it's a different character. Yeah. So. Yeah, can't wait for that. Did you notice who Alfred is? Yeah, it's Andy Serkis. Yeah. So, what what are your thoughts on that? I am down. Um, I mean, Alfred is usually played by an older yeah gentleman. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it doesn't have to be. Um, but I think this is going to be interesting for him too. He's not going to be kind of the wacky, uh, uh, you know, evil. I mean, he's he's been a villain, like he was the villain, one of the villains in uh, Black Panther, for example. Uh, of course, he was very wacky playing the the Gollum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is something that's going to be more serious for him, and I'm looking forward to it. He is another one of those chameleon actors where, like, I think about when he was in the movie King Kong as that kind of, like, uh, gruff sailor type who gets eaten by that one. Like, I didn't see that one. You never saw King Kong, the Peter Jackson King Kong? I didn't. Ah, that's pretty good. You should see it. Hmm. Yeah. I thought so anyway, but yeah, when I think of the various roles I've seen him in, he's very methodical in his, his roles. And, um, I, I'm always a big fan of, of actors who can really just lose themselves in those particular roles. And you don't even like see the actor acting anymore. So that, that is a lot of fun. Anyway, do you have any other thoughts about that, Steve? 
How excited are you to see that movie? Like, like, do you think you're going to like it more than the Christopher Nolan or the Tim Burton Batmans? I think I'll probably like this one more than the Tim Burton Batmans, but maybe not as much as the Christopher Nolan's Batmans. Mm. Maybe that. I mean, that's a that's a high mark. At least the first one and the second one. The third one, I wasn't too excited about the third one. Okay, but uh, I mean, yeah, when this one comes out, we're gonna have to be putting our notifications on like Cinemark is gonna open tickets for sale right now. We're gonna have to buy those tickets immediately. (laughs) Yeah. And depending on how well it's received, we could be blessed with maybe a trilogy from Matt Reeves exploring some of the other villains and other types of, uh, situations that Batman finds himself in, which I hope is the case. You know, I'm, I'm really rooting for this movie to do well. And, Everything I've read up until this point from folks who kind of have more of an insider track, I mean, they they're signing off on it. Like they're they're like, you know, he's really doing a good job on this. This is gonna be cool. I'm just curious about okay, how dark are we gonna get? <laughs> is this one rated R or is it rated PG thirteen? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I wanna say it's probably they're probably shooting for a PG thirteen. Uh, but uh, again, mm. I, I don't know that for certain. Moving on from there, so they also had a Flash trailer for the first time where we get to see the Flash kind of uh, meddling in some alternate timelines, a.k.a. the multiverse. So let us check that one out. Tell me something. You can go anywhere you want, right? Any timeline, any universe. Why do you want to stay and fight to save this one? You change the future, and you change the past. So what'd you think of that one? Uh, that was definitely a teaser. I didn't really show a whole lot there, but it, is it, it sounds like it's Michael Keaton's voice in the background. Who's like almost narrating the trailer. I didn't pick up on him necessarily narrating the trailer, but you do hear his voice. You do see the back of his head in his cowl. Like that, right. that, that is Michael Keaton right. in the bat suit. Oh my gosh. Like that, like going back to what we mentioned earlier about like, what is your favorite thing? That's why I'm so conflicted. Like these three trailers that we've looked at so far are neck and neck in terms of like, I can't decide like the suicide squad video game trailer looks everything and more. I I, I was even, it, it blew my expectations in terms of like what I was hoping for. The same can be said for the Batman trailer in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep seeing all these different uh, articles and then I finally get to see the trailer. I'm like, wow, like this is, this is uh man. I, I think it's really giving me the tingles here. It's giving me the joy gasms. <laughs> and uh, 
It's and then we see this, which you know, once again, it's the first time we're getting a Flash movie, a standalone Flash movie, and the character of the Flash has begun to really fascinate me. The more I learn about him, just because of his ability to not just only go fast, but his time traveling abilities and some of the consequences that come with that. And both you and I have always been fascinated with the idea of time traveling, but that's, that's why we were so into back to the future for the that's longest right. time and everything yeah. else and seeing like, okay, what are the repercussions of your choices? What is the butterfly effect of, of your actions? And not only that, we're finding out that he has the ability to leap between timelines or realities or multiverse. So, this makes me so excited, especially because they were able to bring in Michael Keaton because Michael Keaton is one of my absolute favorite Batmans. I mean, I, I mean, think about this. <laughs> we saw that in 1989 and I don't even, what is that? That's, that's like 30 some odd years ago. And it's insane that we actually get to see him step back into that same suit. I think he's going to be in like a, like either the same suit or a suit that's like super yeah. duper close to what we saw. I was going to say, does it still fit there, Mike? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a glove? Absolutely. I, I think, um, well, and actually I saw a, a, an interview. I think he was talking with Jimmy Fallon and he confirmed he was working on the flash movie and Jimmy actually asked him. So what was it like? Like stepping back into the suit? He's like, Oh, it's like riding a bike. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> With training wheels though. Or like- and the other thing too, in the trailer <laughs> is that you, we clearly see the flash in the bat cave. Right. I mean, you see, you see that quite a bit of that. I'm curious who the woman was that he was reaching out toward, you know, kind of hesitantly. I don't know who that yeah. is. Yeah. I am, maybe it's the old Catwoman, Russ. Maybe it's Michelle Pfeiffer. You never know. Can you imagine if they got Michelle Pfeiffer to reprise her role? I don't think that is her, but I mean, <laughs> golly, man. Like, I would have such a heart attack. I, I would literally have, <laughs> Russ, I told you not to eat the extra hot dog. No, it's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where like, like all these things, once again, like it reminds me when I'm in junior high and we have those nerdy conversations while we're hanging out with our friends about, wouldn't it be cool to see this happen in a movie? And we're actually seeing these things happen before our eyes. I mean, is like, can you imagine like, like if, if that was like a surprise that they dropped in that, I mean, I would literally like have like a joygasm heart attack. I would, I would have a smile on my face and I would just be dead. I'd be like, yeah. yep, I'm good. I'm good. He'd be like like the uh, Joker after they found his body from the uh, yes. off the clock tower with the little laughing box. That's right the, within the jacket pocket. Yes, absolutely. The one thing I am a little bit nervous about this then one though is that uh, the Flash is always kind of like this comic, you know, relief character sure. in the Justice League, and so depending on when like the movies get released, you know, you're gonna have this dark Batman and then you might have this very jokingly um, kind of flash Batman, which Michael Keaton wasn't playing the whole lot of jokes in his, in his Batman series. So uh, I don't know how those two are going to drive and kind of fit together. And I don't know. Well, it might be that th- he goes through a bit of a maturing process because especially after we saw um, Zack Snyder's Justice League movie, 
I think he grew up quite a bit after that, after going through everything that he has gone through and especially going into this situation. I think that, that there will be elements of the, the comic relief, which is okay in my book, but at the same time, they're going to be introducing some pretty, I mean, if they do this movie right, they're going to be introducing some pretty heavy plot points that is going to be resting on Barry Allen's shoulders. And so that's going to force him into this situation. I do think that in terms of offering contrast with how brooding Batman is, he'll probably be a little more uh, comic-y when it comes to that in certain scenes. But the main question that I have when it comes to this film is, how does it fit into the overall DCU? That's what I want to know when it comes to all these films they're working on, because it's no secret that DC has struggled to create this cohesive ecosystem like Marvel has with its previous films. And so like, you'll have like certain, um, excuse me, you'll have certain DC films that are really big and, and epically successful, but not so much do they kind of sew this common thread with each other. We have seen certain instances where like there are efforts for that to be made. And when they do that, it actually causes everybody to get really giddy in the, in their seats because they're like, Oh yeah, cool. The universe is, is connected. And that's, that's a, a very good thing. The reason I bring this up is that um, the flash is, is a pivotal character within the justice league and within the, the DC comics universe in the sense that are they going to cause him to basically be the vehicle for a reboot? Don't know. <laughs> That's my thought. On that was disgusting. <laughs> Cut to a close-up of Steve and sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> Wafting it in. Yes. Got that weird tickle going on. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> got that werewolf thing. Like, hey, something's happening to me. Get away from me. <laughs> anyway. Did you have any other thoughts on that, Steve? No. Well, I suggest we continue on from there. Yes. So... Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, came in and had a big bomb to drop. Um, this is another film that a lot of folks have been curious about. People want to know precisely, like, what have they been working on? And if, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock or something, it's called Black Adam. So I suggest we take a little look-see at that film.
So the Black Adam, as it were. Mm. Thoughts? Don't think they showed enough with that, Russ. I know it's been a just a teaser, but I mean, we also saw you know a little bit of behind the scenes previously in an earlier episode, probably like the, the previous DC Dealy Do. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, this, I, I really didn't think the trailer w- was put together all that well, to be honest. I mean, it, it did seem like it, uh, it seemed like it was struggling to hold my attention. And then when it was trying to, to hold it, they just didn't show a whole lot of, of action or story or really anything. Um, any kind of scenes where you would go like, you know, oh my goodness. And like slap, you, you know, your, your, your brother. Mm. <laughs> you see that? Um, Child Protective Services. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I'm not gonna say I'm I'm gonna like judge a movie by its teaser, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I kind of was hoping they would be a little more exciting. The film itself is still very much in production. It's not close to being finished yet. This yeah, it's was like July next year or something. Like that. I think so. Yeah. Um, it's clearly work in progress. They wanted to have an announcement trailer. That's what it is. It's not even really a teaser trailer. I think it's too early for even that. I think it's literally they wanted to put their flag in the sand and say, yes, this film is real. It's tangible. Here's like a a brief scene that we can actually show you that that doesn't have too much CG because we're still shooting. We're still working on it. And that in my book, that's fine because I mean, like, especially in, in today's world, like you have all kinds of delays and mishaps and COVID and whatever else. And so I'm not going to judge the the trailer too harshly. I'm just thankful that we actually did get to see something. And I don't really know much of anything about Black Adam. I don't collect the Black Adam comic book. I know that he's a very powerful character in the DC universe, Um I've, I don't know if he's more powerful than Superman or maybe he's as powerful as Superman. I mean, like there's, there's quite a bit there. Um, and I don't even know if, if he's straight up a villain or if he's in, like kind of a neutral character or what the deal is. Again, I, I have not read the comics. Well, I think it's safe to say he's about as powerful as Shazam. Indeed, Steve. You know what I noticed in that trailer though too? Was what did you notice, Steve? That the sound effects that they were using for like the energy or not necessarily lightning per se, but like like the crumbling rocks and stuff sounded a lot like they took uh, little sound effects blips from the um, Injustice game. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably totally really? wrong, but I mean, I was drawing some parallels there, Russ. Really? Sounded pretty similar to me. Similar to you, I. It's similar to me. Mm. Um, it's kind of a, it was unfortunate we didn't get really to see Dwayne Johnson's face as Black Adam. Or yeah, at least like, you, but like a little bit of like a glimmer of face in the announcement I just trailer. See it, just, mm. you, trust me, you'll see plenty of his face oh, in, in the official trailer. In the movie, you'll see it. No, like in, in the. <laughs> You'll probably see it in the teaser trailer once that comes out, and then you'll see it in the official trailer. There's plenty of time for that. This the whole purpose of this announcement trailer is to drum up that that hype and that mystique and that wonderment, Steve. Yeah. You can't just blow your wad at the beginning yeah. and be like, "We got more." <laughs> I, I the wonderment is definitely there. I just don't think the uh, the hype is there. Rush, at least not for me. Watch, he's going to have a complete change of heart. He's going to see the movie, and he's going to pee his pants. <laughs> yeah. 
I should have brought that empty bottle in the theater with me. <laughs> All right. Back to business. So the next trailer that I think is worth checking out for sure is uh, Gotham Knights Court of Owls, which if you recall, Steve, I don't. The developer is WB Montreal, who has right. been, they've been handling um, kind of the, the other versions of the, the Batman, like Batman Origins, that sort of mm. thing. So uh, without a little uh, further ado, let's take a little look-see at that one, huh? Batman, Jim Gordon, they thought they had a handle on this city. They never did. You don't stand a chance. Because they're always watching, always listening, pulling everybody's strings. Mine, yours. But no one talks about them. Not a whispered word is said. The Court of Owls is a myth. <laughs> they're listening. Gotham Knights. What I think is particularly interesting about this trailer is, um, well, there's, there's, there's a number of things, really. First of all is the fact that they are using the same game engine that Rocksteady Studios is using, but it's the older engine. It's the, it's the Batman Arkham Knight engine, I believe, is what they're using for this. They, they have not been able to actually um, get the, the latest and greatest engine simply probably because... They're using, they're using it and they're working yeah. on it right now for, for Suicide Squad. But it does make me happy that they have, at least again, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure they have acquired the Batman Arkham Knight engine from Rock City Studios. And that makes me happy just because that was one of the issues that I had was with the, um, like Batman Origins, for instance, was that the graphics fidelity was, just wasn't there. It was it, it, You could tell it was with an outdated engine. 
And I think that's one of the challenges between these two studios where clearly Rocksteady is the one that's defining sure. and moving the head with the, these bleeding edge updates to the game engine. And then WB Montreal is able to tell these additional stories using what is already finished. So there's, there is kind of like that one, I don't know, uh, frog leap, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> now, the other thing, though, that I think is really cool about this is is the whole Court of Owls angle. And I was doing some research on that because I'm not too familiar with kind of what the, the background story of this is. But it's actually pretty cool. It's the secret society that exists within Gotham City. And what's interesting is that the owl, the animal of the owl itself, is actually one of the very few predators of the bat which I had no idea. There are certain owls that actually go out and uh, kill bats. And uh, I think some of them even eat them. I I would, I would think they would eat them and not just kill them for sport. Well, of course. I'm just saying. Well, I I wasn't sure if it was more of a territorial thing. Like maybe like they just don't like having the bats around their nest. (laughs) You guys stink. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was really cool because of obviously the setting is in Gotham. What I find to be, again, it's this weird missing element, though, is that we are led to believe that Batman does not make a showing in this game, how this is very much decidedly a focus on um, Red Hood, on Batgirl, on Nightwing, on Robin. Robin. So when you have that, like, uh, unless they come out with some kind of surprise or whatever, but... uh, Having said that, though, I again, I do like the idea that there has been this secret society that has been around uh, for quite a long time, probably before even Bruce Wayne was born and are kind of like the, I don't know, like the upper echelon that, that kind of uh, is in charge of Gotham's fate, so to speak. And so I'm curious to see what happens because there there is a bit of a contrast when it comes to the court of owls, which again, very, uh, you know, kind of almost ancient, um, faction or whatever it is versus kind of like the new blood, right? Like mm-hmm. the, you definitely have that, that conscious there. I want to know though, who are the actual enemies within the court of owls itself? Cause we saw like what looked to be henchmen of the court of owls, but we didn't really see like a super villain. True. You know, what we also didn't see very much of, well, we saw this in, in the previous trailer, but I mean, you didn't... Bat nipples? <laughs> Anyways, um, so we didn't see gameplay, <laughs> Russ. <laughs> um, we didn't see any gameplay. We saw gameplay in the previous trailer. A little bit. Oh, we saw a lot of gameplay yeah, in the previous trailer. A lot of it, was, uh, it was all gameplay in the previous right. trailer. But this was just mostly kind of like background. This is me dust, you're dusting away your cobwebs from that. What you guys do? <laughs> this uh, this was just like background, uh, you know, pre pre rendered cinematic type stuff. There was no gameplay, you know, whatsoever, Russ. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, there was a little bit of gameplay oh, in there. Oh, there. What with the motorcycle coming up? 
So this trailer was more of a story-driven trailer. It wasn't mm. just pure combat gameplay. Right. Yes. But having said that, you you did okay. So you saw <laughs> some scenes had kind of more of that like in-game cinematic mm. look to it, and they had a little bit of of gameplay as well. But yeah, it was predominantly more of pushing the narrative to know what the heck is going on in this Why game. Why are we playing this? Yeah, exactly. What are we doing here? Are you looking forward to it? And where is Bruce Wayne? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I am looking forward to that one. I, I, but like I said in the beginning, I, I, not as much as the Suicide Squad game. Not as much. Yeah. Mm. No, that's understandable. Is it? You're, you understand? It is. It is understandable, Steve. You, no, uh, I, I think, uh, yeah. what were you going to say, Steve? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you smell what I'm stepping in on. Mm. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. I'm looking forward to both games. I am uh, more excited about the Rocksteady Studios efforts with Suicide Squad, but this game doesn't look to be any slouch either. Again, I think it's a really good formula to be right. able to use the pre-existing engine that Rocksteady already perfected. So, you know, the graphics are going to be good. Mm. Um, not as good as Suicide Squad, but like, there's still going to be like just a, it's going to be a really pretty game. The combat engine, again, it's already perfected. Sure. Every one of these characters were, were a uh, like a DLC type of character from Absolutely. Batman Arkham Knight. So it's it's not like they're having to reinvent the wheel from that perspective. No, Russ, they, uh, they, they got it down there. Um, <laughs> they got it down there. I, I'm just, just going to hold my own for a little bit. I'll see what happens with that game, Russ. I don't know. I'm just not too... Not, not as thrilled with that one. I'm not as thrilled. Did you talk to the developer, Steve? Or did they give you a little uh, behind yeah, the closed on the doors old, demo? The old bat phone. Hey. What are you guys doing over there, actually? <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't know me. But, uh, who are you? I'm a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they call me Cranium. <laughs> <laughs> The next one on my list Ooh. is Shazam 2. Mm. And we both had a fun time in the first Shazam uh, yeah, sure, bro. Shazam movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Zachary Levi there, bro. Exactly. Yeah, I saw hey. him at the old, uh, the old uh, Dallas Fan Expo. He had a little booth. He did. Yeah. He did indeed. I actually saw him also at San Diego Comic Con a few years back. Ah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, mm. it's it's impressive to see him bulk up for yes. this particular character. Yeah, well, it happens, Russ. You go to the gym, pump iron, mm, start to get swole. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, it's over that way. I've Ugh. heard the tales. I've yet to see the outcome. <laughs> uh, one. Uh, two. <laughs> 200. <laughs> 201. <laughs> Well, let's take a look at this here trailer. Okay. All right, Hello, my name is Zachary Levi. I should have a little tag. And I play Shazam. We all established something very special in the first movie. And in Shazam Theory of the Gods, we expand on that. Now they have to balance their life with being superheroes. This is where you hang out with your superhero friends, isn't it? These goddesses come to our world. Our incredible new villains, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. 
She's kick-ass Calypso. We have mythological creatures. Minotaurs, harpies, dragons. When I talk about upgrades, we got an upgrade, a huge upgrade in the suit. Bigger action sequences, bigger set pieces. We go from Athens to Philadelphia. We go from the Rock of Eternity and the Library of Eternity to the Realm of the Gods. So we get to go to environments that were never explored in the first film. We have it all. Three, two, one. Shazam! Fury of the Gods. takes the excitement and the action to a whole new level. It's going to be more of a spectacle. This fun all around. You're in store for a treat, y'all. 2023, huh? Yeah, so a couple of years out. Although 2021 is rapidly coming to a close. No, that rapidly is definitely true. You know... <clears throat> Yes. Before this uh, trailer came out, I was wondering, when am I going to see Lucy Liu again? It's been a minute and a half. I understand. You know what I'm saying? I understand your sentiment. Yes. And it's been kind of a while. Like, what? You know, maybe she was just paying attention to family or something, maybe. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I missed her on screen. And then we see this. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to her laying it down, little whoop-ass style, Mm -hmm. as a villain. She can play a good villain. She can. I remember the movie Payback with Mel Gibson. She played a fun villain there. It was a lot of fun. And, Kill uh, Bill. Kill Bill. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Kill Bill. The old cotton mouth. That's right. Mm. It's a good movie. Really good movie. Didn't see, you know, the, all, obviously this was all, you know, behind the scenes type stuff. This was a behind the scenes trailer to the trailer later on. Yeah, it wasn't even like so, an announcement trailer. Yeah. It was literally <laughs> just like, hey, we're like working a, on it. A behind the scenes yeah. <laughs> uh, montage or something. Yeah, but we, again, it's fun to see yeah, that kind sure. of thing. I like that. You Better, know? you know, something than nothing at all, but it kind of leaves a lot to, you know, kind of wonder about because we didn't see all any of the sequences. We saw like, you know, behind the scenes. We saw the scenes of the scenes being filmed. Yes, yes. <laughs> The first film was a lot of fun. I remember that being um, a film that I, when I sat down in the theater, honestly, I didn't know what Mm. to expect. Because again, I didn't read the Shazam comics. I'm unfamiliar with uh, the backstory and all that. However, I was familiar with uh, Zachary Levi. And so I was like, okay, I'm willing to to give this a shot. And I'm so glad that I did because it was... um, a fun film. And it was one of those DCU type films that really made an effort to connect with the other DC films in that kind of ecosystem way. And if you recall, like toward the end, he enlists the help of those other children who then become those other like crazy Shazam, like uh, characters. I don't know their names, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, okay, now that they have saved the day at the end of the first film and have all these realized powers and they're going to take over that, that layer, layer the secret yeah. headquarters or whatever, what is in store for them after that? And I, I just hope, and I'm sure they're going to do this, that, that they're going to be continuing on with a lot of the hijinks and the funny charm. I mean, like that was really fun is like Mr. Levi did a very nice job. I felt like with, basically tapping into his Tom Hanks inner big, you know, like where where he's acting like a kid in this adult buffed out, crazy, amazing supernatural body. So I I do think that that um, he'll have more fun with that. They're gonna be able to push that to 11. And so uh, I I think um, 
you know, I, I think I'm looking forward to that. Would you agree on that, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely. That will be a good time. It would be a good time. There was a second trailer that is very much in line with what we just saw for Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the whole like behind the scenes montage <laughs> showing Jason Momoa, um, in production. I, I don't know if this film is coming out in 2022 or 2023, but we are going to find out soon enough. So let's put our eyeballs on the screen. Aloha, DC fandom. I apologize for the four-year wait. Oh, my gosh. we been here since 2017. But I'm very proud of the sequel because it's tackling a lot of issues environmentally. The stakes are higher, and I'm just excited because I had a big part in my boy James, you know? <laughs> Check it out. I'm excited for you to see it. The tides are changing. It's important. The tides are changing. Like the comic book, the world of Aquaman is so big and so rich. It's epic. It's huge. It's colorful. The world is at stake. I'm super excited to be back making the sequel. I have so much invested into it. I love this character. I love what it represents. There's nothing that I've ever been a part of that's like this. People are going to be in for a treat. When Aquaman 2 comes out, they're going to get a movie that's more mature, but yet still retain its fun to give the audience something different, something new that they haven't seen before. The success of that movie as the biggest DC movie of all time shows what James Wan and his team were able to do. And in this second film, we have turned the dials up to 11. It has the action, the fun, the heart. Action! Superheroes and supervillains have entertained generations of fans across the globe. Good, you got it? You put that in the movie? <laughs> to play around with this cast again is quite a trip. We're having a blast. This movie's a lot of fun. I think fans are going to be very happy. But I think James is really excited to go all out. This is an exciting scene. We better get to a little bit of action. It's going to be a fun adventure, like it was the first time. It's just better. We see that Black Manta is still seeking his vengeance to try and kill Aquaman. That's going to be something that's exciting for the audience, something for them to be swept up into the world of Aquaman again. About to kick some ass. It's a globe-trotting story. We visit so many different worlds. This movie isn't afraid to embrace its fantasy and go on this magical journey. I think it's going to be really awesome. So Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom there, Steve. Hmm. What'd you think of? Uh, well, obviously, we didn't see like like an official trailer. It's right. all seen stuff, but uh, does it cause one to think back to the original film? I assume it does. It does. Uh, I mean, I wasn't truly crazy about the, the first film, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, you've, you've been, you know, paying attention to the show, uh, yeah, I, I it wasn't. I, I I was I was probably a bitter, not not bitter, bigger. <laughs> critic than you were. You're a bitter um, man, Steve. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, said a bitter piece of candy in my mouth. That's, that's all it was. That's all it was. Uh, but, um, you know, so the, but these kind of things uh, make me cautious when they, 
they have the behind the scenes and everyone is, is all saying good things because of course they would, right? I mean, they're, they're invested in this, this movie and this production. So of course they'd be like, oh yeah, better than the first, but it's almost like whenever you see one of these, it's always the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like there is somebody who directs these behind the scenes trailers and goes, okay, positivity is a must or we're not going to, oh, sure. yeah. uh, which of course it's a know, puff piece. It's a puff piece. Yeah. But, um, so everyone says how like, you know, bigger and badder it's going to be and, sure. and everyone, and the whole cast is incredible. Um, but I mean, one, one person on there said the first Aquaman was like the most successful DC movie of all time, which maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but I don't think it was of all time, the, the best DC movie or the, or the most successful. Yeah. I remember hearing them say that and maybe they're pointing towards some sort of metric that we're, we're unaware of. Yeah. But Anyway, I mean, it, it's it's all marketing, really. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't want the marketing to go through the roof, and then my expectations are like, oh, yeah. man, 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it, it falls, you know, short of that. I remember when we watched the first Aquaman film, one of the characteristics that I found personally charming about it was the enthusiasm. Because if you recall, like some of the, the acting was a little hokey. Sure. It wasn't like as good as some of the other DC efforts, but what was consistent throughout the film was, it, and again, it was this undercurrent, but it was, it was this enthusiastic movie that you can tell the director and the cast and the crew really put a lot of their heart into the film, despite the fact that there are, you know, certain shortcomings about it. It it definitely is not one of the stronger, uh, DC films in the, the entire, uh, crown of DC basically. However, I feel like it showed a lot of promise as to what could be, you know? And I think that this director has taken notes from the fans in terms of how, I think there are certain fans that thought the first outing was a little too goofy, a little too uh, comic relief-ish, and they wanted Aquaman to be a little more serious, be put placed into a bit more dire circumstances, that sort of thing. Don't completely ditch the, the comic relief because Jason Momoa has his own brand of comedy, which is great. But I think that he is definitely going to be pushing to have this particular film take on a more mature approach. And I, for one, I'm curious to see how the relationships develop because he has his half brother. He also has, uh, what was it? Black Mantis is, uh, the, so, yeah. the villain's name. So like you're, you're going to have that continue on, which is great because I, for one, really like the actor. That was actually one of my favorite actors from the first Aquaman movie. I really bought into, when he lost his father and how he like is obsessing over like hunting down Arthur and wanting to get vengeance and that sort of thing. So that's cool. And the world that Aquaman is in is a very unique world. It's something that I think is very challenging creatively to be taken seriously because I mean, again, like if you see Aquaman riding on a giant seahorse, like that kind of visual, (laughs) you're like, ah, okay, how are we going to do this? Oh man. I will say though, that there were several instances from the first film where they were successful in showing this underwater world that was very epic and very beautiful. Um, now tempering that with the fact that there were also other visuals that just didn't work. You're like, yeah, that's not going to work out. Okay. But in terms of Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I still staunchly love seeing the dude as Aquaman. Like I, I think 
they could not have picked a better actor for that role. He was like born for that role. Uh, he does a terrific job and I've, I've really enjoyed him. Like even in the justice league movie, you know, like we, we we've talked about him in the past about that as well, but this is a movie that I'm going to be, I'm going to keep my expectations low because I just, I, and it's not to be mean. It's just to, to have more of like, like if it blows my socks off that much more in the theater, then that's awesome. Like I, I want something like that to happen. We didn't, I mean, this was all centered around Jason Momoa, but you do know if uh, William Defoe's going to be back in that one. He didn't die in the first one, did he? That's been a while. I haven't seen the first one again after I saw it the first time. So. I haven't seen it in a while either, and I cannot remember if he was killed in the first Aquaman or not. So uh, we'll have to do some research on that. Mm. So yeah, do some homework on that road. The final thing on my list that I wanted to talk about, and this is important too, Oh, hi, Steve. How you doing? Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's really important. Yeah. Staring to his oh, little baby blues boy. right there. Oh, hey, boy. Yeah, you can tell that. we got another thing coming oh, out. Oh, man. Um, anyway, this is not a trailer. This actually was an announcement by DC that occurred over the weekend during the, the DC fandom. And it was that Superman was getting a slogan change which was pretty crazy uh, when I saw the article on this. And, and as we all know, um, Superman's slogan is truth, justice in the American way. Well, they came out over the, the weekend and announced that they are now changing it to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. And there has been a lot of reactions and response to this. Um, in certain ways, I'm actually... Um, so like pleasantly surprised at, at how many different types of people from different places have come forward and, and have expressed how they feel about it. And I got to say, like, like in terms of, of everyone that I have um, seen making um, their, their comments known publicly and that sort of thing, that there's a lot of people that are, that are not happy about this. And I sat down um and just really thought about it because like, like for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm an interesting case in the sense that I'm, I'm not a diehard Superman comic book reader. You know, I, I collect certain Superman comics, but I'm not one who knows all this crazy lore inside and out and everything else. However, I'm a, I'm a very big Superman fan in terms of the character itself, what it represents, the films like Christopher Reeve, love all the Superman films. Um, and even um, Henry Cavill as Superman, love that. So like, it's, it's interesting because Superman lives in my personal world in more of a film capacity. But having said that, I do have knowledge when it comes to like how the, the character was created and also like how it fits into our pop culture in America, as well as um, the rest of the world. So I wanted to kind of go down this list. I, I made a list just because I didn't want to forget about anything in particular, because I think this, this is actually important and I get it. Like there are certain people out there that perhaps um, don't care for Superman and that's perfectly fair. And, you know, some people don't really like having the, the boy scout superheroes so much. And, and some people think that maybe Superman is more of like a, uh, a hero from the past, right? Like maybe he's more outdated and needs to be modernized or something like that in order to maintain some semblance of legitimacy. But 
the first thing I, that I, I have on my list here is the term American way. Um, we were kids from the eighties where like anytime we watch like Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman or something like that, that was the slogan. It was truth, justice and the American way. And somehow somewhere as time marched on, there were certain folks who just kind of gawked at that or, or kind of rolled their eyes. Um, it, it was, it was interesting to see how there was um, in some areas of, of uh, pop culture, like, like they, they were, there was kind of a growing resistance to that part. And we started to see that happen where like, um, I want to say it was in man of steel where um, it was uh, Lawrence Fishburne who who was at the, the the Daily Bugle, and and he he says lines like, "Does he still stand for truth, justice, you know, all that stuff?" And everybody was like, "Whoa, what was that? What was that about? Like, that was intentional. That wasn't just some sort of clever dialogue writing. Like, they literally wrote out uh, the American way in this reboot of Superman." And they tried to do it in a way that was like just oh well we'll just sweep it under the rug kind of kind of thing, but it was not missed among the fans. So fast forward to where we are now, and I started thinking about you know when you think of the phrase American way, I sat down and I started thinking okay well what does that encapsulate like like what is the significance when you hear the phrase American way, and. For me, I mean, like I said, I wrote down some notes here. Um, to me, American way means to respect all people, even when they don't agree with you. That's the American way. The American way is um, to strive to make yourself better in all things, whether it's your job or it's through uh, personal development, whatever that may be. American way can mean... Um, that you protect everyone's rights and be a beacon to the world. And so there's a lot of significance when it comes to the phrase American way for me and for a lot of other people out there. It's not just some sort of corny tagline that was relevant in the, the late thirties and forties, but then somehow became passe and, and uh, ridiculous in today's world. It's still very much a relevant phrase to say. And I think even when I think of Superman, you know, Superman is the American way personified. He is literally the visual representation of the American way. And if you think about when it comes to his backstory of being an immigrant coming to this country, being adopted and raised by Americans here and falling in love with the country to the point where he wants to protect the country. And then as a result, even protect the world. You know, I think that, um, it, it, I think there's just, there's just so much there that ties into what they were doing. Um, and I mean, are, are, like, are, do you have anything to add to that? I don't want to like go down my list and, and you like secretly thinking like, <laughs> Oh, I want to say something. <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I'm a bit cautious of time though, too, because I mean it's going going a bit long. But no, I, everything you're saying, I'm definitely picking up. It, it goes it goes along with um, we, there seems to be a fad of rewriting the characters or starting to just kind of erase what people 
think need to be erased versus what the fans have paid for and want more of throughout the course of the character's existence. Mm -hmm. And when you mess with that because you either think the fans want you to do that or you're trying to perhaps attract other people, who knows? But there has to be some motive that's that's behind the efforts to uh, remove some of these some of these well known characteristics. Sure, and I, it's just not a healthy move to make. Quite honestly, I mean, if you upset the core foundation of why we're seeing Superman on the big screen, reiterated and then reiterated again and then reiterated again. Um, that money is going to go away because mm-hmm. you're going to upset everybody and or the people who want to pay you their hard-earned dollars. Right. And then they're going to go away and then what are you going to be left with? Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, too, that I have written down on my list is that people who know me, and, I mean, you know this. I don't, I don't being, know you. Uh, <laughs> I don't you know, know who you are. I, my younger brother. I just thought it was a pretty cool setup you have in here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But one of the things that for for friends and family that know me is that I have always been very outspoken as being a creative purist. And what I mean by that is that so so I am an artist. I am a creative. I work in the entertainment industry. I've worked in the corporate industry as well. But in terms of like, you know, creative outlets and there's a lot there in terms of like when I, when I say creative uh, purist, I mean like when I see something or, or read something that is original, right? Like there, there's some kind of character that was created in this case, it's Superman. This character was created in the 1930s by two people, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And they went through a lot of effort. They went through a lot of uh, trial and error in terms of like trying to get like, like their character realized. And, and you know, if you, if you look at their, their history, you could see it wasn't just like, Oh, we came up with this character. We had no problem. And we published it and we're millionaires. Like it was not like that at all. And I think what's interesting is that it's very difficult as a creative to come up with something that's successful and I don't say that lightly because it is like, like one of the biggest challenges that creatives have is how do we introduce a brand new IP with brand new characters in a brand new world that has staying power. And when it comes to Superman, Superman was arguably the first superhero. Like there's some people kind of like counter that saying, Oh, the, maybe the phantom was, or, you know, they had other characters, but, but by and large, when we talk about the comic book industry and we talk about like, you know, who is the superhero who has stood the test of time, who is absolutely iconic. It's Superman. And even when we, when the comic book industry had certain ups and downs in terms of fan interest and the economy and that sort of thing, it was Superman was one of those characters that while other ones faded away and died off, he was resilient. In fact, he thrived through those, those various times of um, kind of economic uncertainty within the comic book industry. So it speaks a lot to what this character represents, how, it, how this character was created. And I'm finding that, and, and I've actually talked to you about this in a previous episode to a certain extent, but when it comes to these next generation of creatives, of artists, of writers, of publishers, whatever it may be, who have taken on the reins, who have, who, you know, the torch has been passed to them. These are people who are 
given the keys and are the custodians. They are the caretakers of these celebrated IPs that have stood the test of time. And I'm finding that there is more and more of this arrogance that's going on, this almost narcissistic, I know better than everyone else does. I'm going to come in and instead of having a humble approach where you approach the subject matter with humility and you're extremely grateful that you got the gig in the first place that then you can then add to this particular canon, we're not seeing that as much. And there are these these decisions that are being made that are, you know, like they may appear small at first, but when you look at the context of, of everything, it's rewriting history of one of the characters. You know, there's, there's a lot of significance in that phrase American way. And, um, I don't know, like, like I just think about how it's ironic to me that a creative industry such as the comic book industry, you know, like they're an entertainment entity. They specialize in being creative. Like, why can't they create original characters? You know, like, like that, I, I find it odd how there is this constant desire to change various characters that have been around for a long time and they, and they just feel compelled to have to make certain changes that quite honestly, in certain regards, I mean, it, it fundamentally kind of changes the, the persona and the archetype and everything else. And I guess like what I'm thinking about as a creative purist is like, you know, if you create, cause like they even create new characters. I'm not saying that, that they're not doing that at all, but then like the majority of new characters or new comic books that get launched, they fizzle out. They don't have the staying power as these classic iconic superheroes do. And that says something. It says that whatever the formula is that was created at the time that these characters were, were originated, that resonates in a very positive way with its fan base and with people who are familiar with that particular character. And you do not want to mess with that type of, uh, in, you know, formula basically. And, and my thing is, is that, you know, like, again, I encourage having, um, more of that creative expression where like you, you can, just go to town, like, like launch brand new comic books or maybe have new comic book characters that exist within pre-existing worlds. You, you can have a new character exist within the Superman world. That's totally fine, but you need to have it stand on its own two feet and see what happens. And if people are into it and they start buying it and everything and, and um, you know, have it pro proliferate, then that's a very good thing. The other side of it is you have to see whether or not people are not interested in it. They shun it and you have to go back to the drawing board. And that's just part of the challenge of being creative. And I think that it's in a way, I think that a lot of the creatives in the comic book industry have gotten too used to being in a comfort zone with the pre-existing characters, both in Marvel and DC. We're like, we have the, this whole roster of characters. They're awesome characters. And I think it's great in terms of how, like, for instance, you have certain um, guest artists that come in, they're going to do a, a comic book cover or they decide to do the entire comic book itself. That's perfectly fine when you lend your artistic style to a pre-existing world. It's when you start changing key elements of it that becomes a problem. And I know this is long-winded, but like the final item on my list that I was thinking about, because I, I, was, I was going back, just really kind of 
meditating on this notion of um, creating new IPs. And one of the stories that comes to mind for me was back in 2019, I was at Dallas Comic-Con and Jim Lee, who is the chief creative officer over at DC, um, he was there. He, he was signing autographs on comic books. He was giving a uh, little like mini um, art workshop class type stuff. He was selling some of his own original work. It was awesome. It was like, super exciting. I got to meet him. And I have the utmost respect for Jim Lee. He's my favorite comic book artist. I've got, like, look at this. This is Jim Lee right here. This, you know, I, I, I absolutely uh, love all the contributions that he's made. And what I think is um, memorable from that is I remember I was, a, I was in attendance when he was doing like this little um, sketch workshop. He was doing like the basic fundamentals of how to draw a character. And I think he was doing like Harley Quinn or something. And as he was doing it, he was answering questions. He just, he kind of opened the floor and he said, you know, if you have a question, go ahead and, and ask it and I'll, I'll, I'll call on you and then I'll answer or whatever. Well, one of the questions that was asked was why have we not seen more original IPs get released over the years, which is a great question. I mean, it wasn't a loaded question or anything. It was just, you know, someone was just really curious about that. And I'll never forget his answer. He said that it's very difficult to successfully launch an original IP. That the last time that that actually occurred was in, in his mind, and actually I, I pretty much agree with him um, to, a, to a certain degree, but like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what he said. He said that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the last IP that had this, that like that level of critical and commercial acclaim where it started out as a comic book. It got its own cartoon series. It's, it got several movies under its belt. It had an arcade game made after it. Even to this day, it's still relevant. Like you have people who are still big fans of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I found myself thinking about that and going, you know, I think that it would it would behoove Jim Lee. Like like I, I say this with utmost respect when I when I want to give unsolicited advice, but I do think it's important that he remembers some of those types of questions and how he answered them and apply them in a way that makes sense when DC. Because I don't want him to constantly feel as though he has to make certain changes within the, these well-established iconic characters that, you know, him being the talented chief creative officer that he is, he has a, a tremendous amount of influence and sway and authority when it comes to these types of decisions. Not to mention like when he broke off from Marvel and he got a job at image and he created his, his own, you know, Wildstorm studios and that sort of thing. He was creating all kinds of awesome characters. Like the wildcats, for instance, was a big one. He did Stormwatch. You know, he's done a number of, of different um, groups of characters that he did out in rapid succession. So I think, for me, that's something that I want to see. And, and I, I have to say that, that I too disagree with this decision in terms of changing Superman's slogan to, you know, have it go from truth, justice in the American way to truth, justice and a better tomorrow. I just, I feel as though that's the wrong call and I'm pretty sure you agree with me. So I'm going to shut up <laughs> and let you, uh, if you have any kind of observations or comments uh, regarding that, uh, I assume we're, we are aligned. We are of the same wavelength there, Russ. I think, I think 
the intention is positive. I mean, it's not a bad slogan, but my, again, what I said earlier is the, the motivation of erasing certain characteristics and adding new ones and, and where does that stop? Yeah. Um, pretty soon you have a whole new character anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to bring a whole new character out anyway, why not just make a whole new character? What's, what risk is there in bringing a new IP with what you want to say with today's day and age versus the risk of losing the fandom from everything that they love and endear with the characters they've grown up with. And if the, if to me, the risk is, is lower bringing out a brand new character Give them a different motto, give mm -hmm. them a, a different history, give them different beliefs, whatever they want to do, different swagger. I think the risk of that is lower than 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 the other than the alternative, than changing the characters that we've we've come to know and love. Yeah, I, I definitely think that in terms of um, the, the the just the artists and the writers and the, just all the creatives out there, I think that it doesn't do anyone any favors to rest on one's laurels that I think that um, just pushing forward and taking those risks, taking those challenges, seeing what you can come up with. I'm, I have no doubt that they can come up with things that are um, just as cool in a different light, a different capacity that doesn't marginalize or change other types of preexisting characters. And also too, let's not forget like, having a character like Superman, Superman is one of the very few patriotic characters within all comic books. I mean, if you were to think of say the Marvel world, Captain America is the one who is patriotic. He's unabashedly. So like he, he is absolutely all about, um, the, um, American dream and what it's like to be American and all the, the responsibilities, you know, from an idealistic standpoint. And I think Superman is that same type of character. He doesn't wear the stars and stripes, obviously, but in terms of, how he is, he's grateful for his upbringing. He's grateful for the country that he lives in. He has a profound love of where he's at, despite knowing that he is an immigrant from a different planet. You know, he, his love is American, um, you know, Lois Lane. And so I just, I don't think it's fair to diminish also the nod that the two gentlemen who created Superman were very purposeful in putting together for that. So I don't know. I'm going to keep uh, hoping that, that maybe they'll um, decide to switch it back. Reverse the decision. Yeah. I mean, that's a very easy thing to do and we'll just have to, to wait and see. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. We thank you for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues helping us financially do the show. You can also click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week every week, minus the burp. <laughs> and while you're at it, do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on most of the main ones out there. And last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look very much forward to hanging out with all of you next week. See you guys.